Hey, Kayla. Congratulations on graduating. Congratulations, Kayla. Happy graduation, Kayla. Hottest hundred thousands wants to congratulate you on graduating. That graduation shout-out was for our dear, our higher listener, Kayla, who has just graduated from college, and we just wanted to give her a shout-out because she's been a loyal fan and a total legend. Much love from your Australian comrades. It's hard. It's hard. It's yeah, hard. hard. The Boston accent is hard. The Boston accent yeah. is hard. Accent is hard. Really hard. Yeah. A- AR sounds are good for Boston. Oh, you just do that all the time. What if Babar was set in Boston? <laughs> 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 That's my type five. Babar. <laughs> That's the whole thing. Babar. I think it would go a little something. <laughs> like <laughs> like, like the theme songs honest, by the Dropkick like, Murphys. Actually, that would rule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they never would have any reason to cover that. <laughs> but if they did, it would be pretty Dear good. Mr. Dropkicks. <laughs> yeah. You have no reason to do this. You guys are like staunch unionists. And this is a theme song about like a royal <laughs> prince. Yeah, the monarchy. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. All right. Is, mm. All right. Yeah, we should do the um, do the, the podcast <laughs> now. Do you want to? I'll give it a shot. Oh. We're recording. Well then, by all means. We, yeah. Great. It's all, oh, we it's all safe. Don't want to miss any of that. Gold. Boston Baba. Imagine if that was lost to time. <laughs> Imagine if the world never knew about Baba. This sugar cane, this lemonade, this hurricane, I'm not afraid. We are Hottest 100s and 1000s and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. Understand? My name is David James Young and I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again, it's Andrew McDonald. Hey. It's Nathan Harrison. Hi. It's Adam Buncher. That escalated quickly, can I just say. Oh, yeah. Sugarcane, lemonade, hurricane. I know, right? One like, of these things what? is not like Definitely the other. Definitely not. <laughs> it, it makes more sense in the second bit because there's yeah. this lightning storm, this tidal wave, this avalanche. Well, when you're doing the disasters, it would be a great switcheroo if you just threw in one of the sugar ones there. It's like, yeah, that's oh, true. True. This, this avalanche, this crockenbush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because obviously sugarcane is used in the production of lemonade, uh, yeah. and then maybe you drink the lemonade, and the burp is really, really powerful. <laughs> Too powerful. Yeah. In America, burp. first you get yeah. the sugarcane, <laughs> then you get the lemonade, then you, you get, get the hurricane. <laughs> that's a uh, that's a good forward sell for uh, one of the songs. Yes. Mm. Uh, but before we tell you that story, we have to tell you this story at number eighty. It's the return of Muse. This is bliss. It's okay.
making their return at number 80 in the 2001 Triple J Hottest 100. That is the song Bliss from the album Origin of Symmetry. Andrew. David. What do you think of this song? <laughs> well, like, I did a bit of a editorial forward sell before it heard. Um, yeah, you said it was yeah. okay. Yeah, it's okay. Is it the third appearance of Muse? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. Overall, yeah. Uh, it's the second of three appearances in the entire 2001 countdown. And, and like, you know, I think it's okay to, to forward sell this. The next one's coming pretty soon. Yeah. Which which indicates that if you're a Muse fan, you're probably voting for a whole wad of Muse songs. Yeah, it was, it was a very like, cultish spread. A very intense group that got them just into that bottom quarter. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know? You know, like that year the Wolf Mother was in all over the place. They were like at the bottom end and they were in like the top five or whatever. You know, they yeah. had like five songs in the countdown. Like that was a lot of people doing a lot of voting. Whereas this, I think it's like a very core group doing a lot of voting for these specific songs. Yeah. I wonder if there was yeah. a, a street team. Amuse Street Team. Amuse Street Team. You know what? I, I reckon probably. That's the Amuse Bush from last time we talked about Amuse. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you want to what? Ah, see now you're the one forgetting hey, a thing. Huh? I remember you saying a moose bush because how can I fucking forget that? All oh, right, whatever then. That's the name of the straight team. Well, they were they were not that successful, were they? Really? They got, At this they got point, a, they no. got a few people very organised. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did all right. Well, I, better yeah. than what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not getting anyone organised. Yeah, <laughs> you've never gotten another host. Well, you need your right. own street team. Yeah. Yeah, do that, please, listeners. What do you want them to do for you? I don't know. Just hype me up. <laughs> just, what, what do street teams do? They put around and put stickers of you. Actually, no, no, please don't put stickers of me around. <laughs> please don't put stickers of me around Sydney. It'll make me feel... I'm already too uncomfortable. Andrew.sticker. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's still, like, weird to me now hearing new songs and thinking, like, all right, these guys were, like, a good band. <laughs> yeah. Like, because, you know, because these days they're like a fucking joke, though. Like, you know what I mean? It's a good point, yeah. because, like, at this point, I'm pretty sure they've had more bad albums than they've had good albums. Mm. I mean, God, their last good record was, what, 15 years ago? Like, they've put out, oh. like... F- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, yeah, the Resistance Defender has logged on. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just upset for two reasons, and, I'm, and I don't think I even need to say what those two reasons are. <laughs> I can't. Okay, it's that Muse has been. It's been that long since Muse made a good album, and I remember when Muse made that good album, and that was that long ago. Mm. Yeah, man. Hey, uh, okay, okay. Look out. Alrighty. Yeah, like this, there's some nice like like. 80s keyboard shit going on with this one which I thought was cool oh dude that's that arpeggio yeah oh. that, that's the Mwah. best part of this song I think for I think sure that's the worst part of oh really this song. really <laughs> I really don't like it what the the, the, the space rock yeah it makes it elements. it feels like it's like off the soundtrack of a Tron ripoff that's, oh, that's, I, I like that kind no, of movie yeah. it's just, I'm not into it you love space yeah I don't like space rock oh, no. <laughs> no that's a good point yeah mm, right do you like asteroids Yes. Okay. <laughs> there's the Venn diagram. Mm. Space, rocks, space, mm-hmm. rock, rocks in space. Mm. Yeah, but. Rocks okay. in <laughs> And you just obviously see where Nathan fits in. Mm. Yeah, okay. Matthew Bellamy says that from this era, Bliss is his absolute favorite song. Yeah. Yeah. And he had a, a kind of nice quote saying um, that RPGO. Um, he says that um, I heard some children's music program when I was five. I think I ripped it off that. That uh, reminds me when I was a bit simpler, a bit more of a pleasant state. Yeah. Yeah, which we, we all know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, dude, for sure. Um, Remembering way back when when Muse making good albums. Oh, <laughs> oh simpler times. Remember when you were five and you were just like, 
Baby want RPGO. (laughs) 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 Bringing it back, baby. Oh no. Um, Yeah, but this like there's some things in this song that I like, but again, still like the last time we've spoken about Muse, right? It's still not enough for me to go and listen to a Muse album. Yeah, nowhere near. Yeah, I preferred the other ones more than this. Yeah, that's Mm. fair. Nathan. Yeah, this is the worst Muse song we've talked about. Okay. Really? Thanks, yeah. thanks for saying we've talked about because <laughs> <laughs> as there are worse I'm ones. sure there are way worse ones. No, than no, I... no this, is, this is definitely worse <laughs> than uh, fucking that dubstep song they did. <laughs> oh, I forgot about they did the a second dub- law. Oh, yeah, this, this is like the opposite of a forward sell. But um, we have to talk about sixteen muse songs on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so tired yeah. <laughs> Like, I'm full I'm yeah. full of muse Yeah we're what Not even a quarter Not of even the a way quarter through. of the way through. That's not a full It's a forward refund <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just checked by the way uh, Muse have eight albums And so it's a neat little Split down the middle So and This is the second one yeah Origin Yes yeah. So Correct. Showbiz Origin of Symmetry Absolution And Black Holes and Revelations Are all good The Resistance The Second Law Drones and Simulation Theory not good. Drones, man. It's like that album, right? The, the album cover of Drones is still so fucking funny. Oh, dude. If you it haven't seen it, look it up. It's absolutely hysterical. It's, it's absolute like baby's first political cartoon. Like, <laughs> look, look it up. Use Drones. Yeah. So, Nathan. Yeah. What's your beef? It feels like a bad video game song. I guess, like, it does fit in that, like, prog space rock. All that stuff is, is there. But, like, that... You're not eating that. I mean, I'm not into it, but I think mm. as well, like, his singing is, like, very... Obviously, because it's so big, but it's, yeah. it's very, like, sincere and emotional or whatever. And that does not gel with the sounds of the song for me. Interesting. And so, the whole thing feels, like, plasticky and, and insincere. And then, okay. so, it's this kind of big maximalist... Yeah. Fake thing and, and so I just I'm just Yeah I mean like I, I look at this song In very much the same way As I look at all Muse In this era And you know The mission statement Of Muse Generally around This kind of Three album period Being Showbiz Origin And Absolution The one to come yeah. As you know Like being again Like The circus show Yeah you know, The Again like this This idea of like They are They are being Grandiose and and maximalist. I think it's just an extension of of basically what I've talked about in the previous times that I've that I've talked yeah. about music. From from that point of view, does Do- that kind of allay? Because that's not sincere. That's it's it's performative. It's larger than life. From that point of view, does it make it any better for you? Oh no! I, for a second, I was like, was this the man that I called the Cirque du Soleil of music? But no, that was um. Hopelandic band um, Sigur Ross. Yeah. yeah You guys shouldn't have said And see how long it took him to remember <laughs> <laughs> I want to say Sugar Ray Sugar, Sugar Ray, <laughs> Sugar Ray. <laughs> but, but that like That fits in the same kind of thing Not not the Sigur Ross and Muse are, are similar at all but, but in terms of like Huge Exhibitionist emotion like that Sure I find it hard to buy into But I didn't even think it's the, the, the emotion is what's He's talking being about bliss. He's talking about how much he wants to be. Babby wants a Benji. Like, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I, actually, in terms of the lyrics, um, a lot of people have likened this song to Creep, in the sense that he's he's talking about this relationship that is just so unhealthy and mm. toxic and one sided. You say everything about you oh. is this. Everything about you is this. I want this. I want that. I want whatever. And you know, when you dig only just slightly underneath the surface, you're like, wow, that's um, that's not. 
That's a that's a lot, my, my dude. Um, <laughs> calm down, just calm down. It's all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I think emotion is a side effect of what they're actually trying to do here in in favor of just like that that presentation of pure kind of musicality. Like I I, I see this kind of subverting any kind of you know the the emotions there, but I, I don't think that's the primary aim. I think the primary aim is this musical maximalism. Yeah, still. that's that's the energy for sure. So I think it's interesting considering ideas of sincerity within that. But I think honestly, like it kind of subverts the whole idea of sincerity almost entirely. Yeah, okay. Something else I want to float as an idea: Does the prevalence of Muse and bands like Muse starting to come through show that mainstream rock? And maybe particularly mainstream rock coming from Britain is starting to get nerdy again, because we've mm. we've had some pretty jockey rock, particularly coming mm. from the states. Mm. And I'm just I'm just wondering whether we're seeing a turning of the tide in terms of rock culture here. Because rock culture in the mid aughts, like indie rock, that's yeah. nerdy as fuck. Like, yeah, and this is heading there. It's kind of bridging that. Yeah, right? yeah, right. Like because like you think of like like I don't know like skinny jeans and like winkle pickers. It's not it's, new metal. It's cool. not jockey. Mm. Yeah, it's not. It's jockey. a different yeah. kind of cool to what had yeah. been accepted as cool in the 90s yeah, and yeah, the yeah. 80s. Is it about sure. caring again after like being angry at caring in grunge and then kind of like Britpop is I'm too ironic to care mm. and now it's about caring again? I don't know how that would feel. <laughs> <laughs> Could oh, they need them? Oh, oh. <laughs> Maybe one RPGO again. <laughs> <laughs> but I, think, I think potentially that's part of it. I mean like we always have to consider where things fall in terms of the, the axis of um, caring versus not caring. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. like because by the time you get to like indie rock, like say like the National or Arcade Fire, yeah. we're, we're at maximum care. We yeah, yeah you oh yeah yeah, care is care is back and cool is cool is out. Oh yeah, the cool is definitely gone by there. Those people like if you think of just use the National as an example, right? Like Behringer yeah. looks cool as fuck, but he looks cool as fuck in spite of his open sincerity because like, his lyrics are not cool his lyrics are sad and mopey mm. and sometimes kind of weird yeah <laughs> but like he just happens to like just because he happens to be a guy who wears suits and has a nice beard he happens to look cool but like his lyrics are not cool I think it's about embracing the listener in both of those cases I think the national embraces the listener in a personal level in terms of relating to experience mm. and I think Arcade Fire embraces the listener on a communal level yeah. but I think in both cases they're either inviting or even more than that coming to you to mm. belong in mm. some way do you think Muse are inviting you to belong with this song? I don't I think they're asking no. you to be impressed yeah right yeah I, I think that there's a very clear divide between performer and audience here. Mm. I think the invitation is to is to is to come be excited with us, come mm. be exhilarated. But so, do you, do you, you fuck know? with this song? Oh, I know, big time. Because I, I know I know this era of Muse is a jam for you. It really is, and um, in particular, we're basically at this point in the 2001 countdown just listening to Origin of Symmetry with a few songs. You know, as 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 intermissions between, huh. because the last time we talked about uh, newborn was the first track of the album. This is the second track, right? Okay, uh, they're, they're just rolling them out, mm. and the the flow between the two is really nice. And the thing that kind of impresses me is that basically, you look at the makeup of the two songs: starts with a piano arpeggio, kicks in with more fundamental rock riffs, and whatever leads to these big kind of soaring choruses. They're kind of the same song, and yet the amount of mileage and variation that they get. Even between these two tracks, it's like wow, you've you've got your thing, but you're you're like reinventing it in probably the best uh, and and most revitalized way that you possibly can. 
I will say, as much as I don't, I didn't really fuck with this one too mm. much. Um, I will say it's amazing what a big stand they can get out of just being a power trio. It's it's incredible, yeah. right? And I think that so much of the engine of of this song um, is with the the angular punching of the of the guitars versus the the kind of flowing that's created through the arpeggios and the, and the tension that happens between those different forms of energy, I think is really the engine room of this song. And mm. it works so well. It allows you to, it lifts you up and then it kind of like pops like a firework or like a, a big balloon filled with confetti, which is what they famously release every time that they play this live. And I have, right. I have very strong fond memories of seeing Muse play live mm. and just what a moment of jubilation this actually was. To uh, to have performed live when that actually happens, they yeah. went all. They can't be great for the environment though. Like, I don't know, a bit selfish. <laughs> Just think it's interesting. It's his Matt. own muse. <laughs> Is it Matt Bellamy? Yeah, Matt. Yeah, yeah. I think or it's Matthew. Matt. Depend- yeah. yeah, it depends mm. on. Depends on how formal I want to be with yeah. the prick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you call him Matthew when he's being naughty. Like, mm. yeah, Matthew, Matthew Muse Bellamy. <laughs> 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 Number 79, this is R.E.M. with Imitation of Life. Making their return and final appearance in the hottest 100. Yes, is it? R.I.P. Oh, dude. Yeah, man. Oh, buddy. Oh, mate. Bet you're looking forward to seeing the back end of them. Oh, yeah. Good good riddance to bad rubbish, honestly. What a bunch of clowns. That is the song Imitation of Life. It comes from their album Reveal. Obviously, a lot has changed since the last time that we talked about R.E.M. We're in what is ostensibly known as their three-legged dog era, uh, (laughs) which they gave themselves that nickname. So... Uh, after the release of the album New Adventures in Hi-Fi, uh, yeah. Bill Berry, uh, who was uh, one of the four founding members of the band, pretty much laid it out on the line. It's just like, guys, we play like 200 shows a year. I never get to see my family. I'm I'm playing, you know, two-hour shows every night. I'm breaking down. I'm out. And they ruminate over whether to continue. But then Bill gives his blessing for the three of them to continue on as R.E.M., which they will do for another... Almost 15 years. Man, that's a pretty good blood in terms of band interrelations. Yeah. Look, if, if R.E.M. had like yeah. Smashing Pumpkins level of vitriol and infighting, yeah, that would be really upsetting. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> they all just seem like such sweet people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Inside of you, there are two bald rock frontmen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is one of the last big 
international hits that REM will have. It doesn't make a huge dent on the US charts, but it's a big hit in the UK and it's top 40 here in Australia as well. One of the last, I, I guess, the most recent everyone knows that REM song, you know, like, because they had a string of just unbelievable hits ranging from Losing My Religion to Everybody Hurts. Basically anything you can find on In Time, that chunk there. And this is the last big hit, you know. Bad Day Mm. is uh, on the In Time record and that does pretty well. That's like top 20 in the UK and in Australia as well. But like, it's not particularly fondly remembered. Basically that song is known because it was a precursor to It's the End of the World as We Know It. Mm. Like they started writing that song and then changed the format that they had for that song and it became It's the End of the World as We Know It. Right. Oh, I just remember what Bad Day sounds like. That, yeah, that yeah, yeah. makes sense. It's not as motor mouth, but like the, the seeds are there for mm. what It's the End of the World would become. It took me a long while to remember what Bad Day sounded like because initially exactly, I, I just started to think of... No, <laughs> I was thinking of the Matchbox 20 song. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great song. Is it, is it called Bad Day? Long Day? Yeah, Long Day. Yeah. Great song. Also a great song. I, my brain just was like, is this what you're searching for? <laughs> we, we couldn't find Bad Day, but here's a, here's a Matchbox 20 song. Did you mean yeah. Long Day? Oh, yeah. Well, no, you might be thinking of Bad Day by Daniel Powter. I'm not. No. Now I am. Day. Really <laughs> no, no, no. Why did you? Oh. Boo. Oh. Now I am having a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> the real Thanks bad Obama. day was... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So this oh, is... I hate that song. <laughs> it's a shit song. It's, oh. it's a really bad song. It's a good joke song though. <laughs> drop it in a DJ set. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh yeah, like just as you're getting to the drop of, yeah. of the Muse dubstep song. Holy shit. I've changed my mind. <laughs> it's good actually. Great comedy song. <laughs> it's so but it is so slapstick though. That fucking mm. like you had a bad day. It's like, are we opening a fucking sitcom? Yeah, yeah. What is this? <laughs> It Fuck. does have major like 80 sitcom energy. Yeah, yeah. And that's a shit energy. <laughs> yeah. That energy can fuck off. But great, like the Cheers theme song slaps. I don't care. <laughs> Too busy thinking about this shit. Thinking of bad day. Ah, <laughs> oh. so yeah, I have a very fond recollection of this song. I can remember watching it on Rage most weekends. I will talk about the video in a sec, which is like one of my absolute favorite REM videos. Terrific. Video. Um, there's such a brightness to this song. The synth strings, that indelible hook. I love the mix of that kitschy 70s kind of orchestral flair with that driving Peter Buck power chord sound. He has such a distinctive guitar tone on this and a lot of his playing here reminds me a lot of the one I love which is another like huge REM song. The G-Funk synth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very uh, Warren G. I had no idea what to make of that as a kid. I'm just like, how are they making that noise? I'm just like, am I a certain breed of dog? Like, huh. how am I able to hear that pitch? <laughs> it's crazy. Even though they they lost the drummer, they they gained a, another one uh, as a session drummer throughout most of the rest of their career. And the late great Bill Riflin. Oh yes, yeah. May he rest in power. From Ministry and King Crimson. Oh wow. And, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Incredible drama. drama. This is also uh, around the period that REM come to Australia for what ends up being the second last time, uh, and they come in to do a three-song acoustic set for Live at the Wireless. Oh, you know, God. like that's how that's how like window of time their their moments were. 
we are so busy. We've got like all this interview shit and we've got all this press stuff to do. You know, this was still when R.E.M. were like a very in-demand and very popular band. Like they're entering their third decade, mm. you know, and they were still as busy as they were, you know, back around the peak of like Losing My Religion and Automatic for the People and all that sort of stuff. The acoustic songs they do from the reveal record are some of the definitive versions of those songs for me. So, is, like, is this one of the songs they play? Uh, no, no, no. They did a they did a, a like a couple of like album cuts from the record. Um, this was obviously the big the breakout, the yeah, the big breakout hit from the reveal record, and it's one of the strongest moments on on the record. They're still experimenting. They're still trying to find their feet after losing such a key member of the band. A lot of that period gets overlooked because people kind of see that as a dividing range. Once Bill left, there's nothing of REM's worth noting. And like when you see like records like Around the Sun, which was the next record, like I can totally see that as a valid point. But that's like one bum note in comparison to some of the most underrated records of their entire career. Michael still managed to... Yeah, create a real connection between himself and the listener. I think that's always been a key part of what makes R.E.M. great, you know. Mm -hmm. When he's performing, he's like, he's so extroverted, you know. Like, he can sing these very, like, deeply personal songs, but he's, he's pushing himself out there as a performer. I remember seeing Amanda Palmer last year and talking about, um seeing Nick Kay perform after Skeleton Tree mm. came out mm. and like how he would do the same thing, how mm. he would reach out, you know, and just, you know, even though they were such deeply personal songs, he would be very extroverted as a performer. And she interpreted that as like him reaching out and just like, are you with me? With those ones that he's said numerous times after the, tragic loss of his son he just wanted human connection more than anything in the world yeah exactly mm-hmm. and and with with michael you know he's a closeted queer person yeah, he's, a, he's a sad queer yeah weirdo. i didn't even know that he's come out since obviously that's Unreal. that's yeah yeah wow. I, i'm not just speculating no no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not outing the motherfucker <laughs> <Yeah>. jesus <laughs> he properly came out as queer like uh probably 10, 15 years ago now, maybe... Like maybe 08-ish been, or something. About the yeah. last time that Muse had a good album. Yeah, around <laughs> then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> he's like, yeah. After I dropped their first bum one, and he's just, he's just like... <laughs> Screw this, I'm fucking gay. <laughs> the world needs some positivity. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a lot of my memories are intrinsically linked with the music video for this song. Does anyone know how long it took them to make this video? 12 seconds. Yep. Oh, wow. And I'm right, too. I, I know that. I'm huh. Like, I, saw that fact I <laughs> was absolutely not expecting you to know that because yeah. you are famous you are the oh, I haven't never, seen it. never seen the music video <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen the music video I don't know, what, I don't know what's going on academically though it took you, 12, you, I do know it took 12 yeah. seconds to make whatever it is <laughs> I'm gonna fucking clockwork orange you one day man I swear to god I believe it that's why I lock my door <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just not ready just wake up and there's fucking yeah. REM on the screen. I'll know exactly what's going on. I'll be like, all right, David, well played. What I think is great about this song, it's even though I know that they are a primarily like a, an 80s US band, but this song to me sounds like a reminder. Like It's like, oh, you, you know all the sounds of Britpop? Yeah, we kind of invented that. Like This, this is like mm-hmm. them reminding you, no, 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 we did the 90s. Don't forget that. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. They were so like, jangle pop. In yeah, there. we're yes, still here, you know? baby. Yeah. Obviously, the, you're right, Dave. The chorus just it just sweeps you up. Like it's just so lovely. Michael's voice just so unique, so one off, and so fucking great yeah. every time. Um, um, yeah, and also sure. great to again ha- have him here in this song. The way he says "corner" 
is so good. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, obviously, because everyone knows it from losing my religion, but in here, just when he says, like, like corner, like that, that oh, kind of. You nailed it. That's exactly, yeah. It's so it's good, good, man. Good I corner. love it. We'll come back to that um, that film clip in a second, Deej. Um, yeah. For me, you talk about Michael Stipe wanting to, like, connect and whatever. I think what I love so much about REM in this era, they just really capture thoughtful reflection. Mm. So well yeah. in their songs, and uh, and I mean that not only lyrically but musically as well. There's just something about their songs that reflects deep thought, and maybe even more than that, in terms of connecting out to someone, deep conversation. It's plumbing the depths of your of your mind and trying to express the inexpressible that happens there, and then saying like, you know. And you do know. Yeah. And I distinctly remember this song as a kid affecting me in a particular way that was almost as if I had a, an awareness as a child of going like, I don't know what that is. I don't know, I don't know what's going on here. Mm. This is some adult shit that I've encountered and <laughs> it makes me feel something, but I can only go like 60% of the way and then I'm blocked because there's just something missing that completes this picture. Yeah. But I still, it still made me feel something. In fact, that... Made me feel something even more it, that that idea of it being unknowable. Mm. You know, I still have that uh, idea that when I listen to this song, it's operating on a level that I can't grasp because when I heard it oh, as a dude, kid, yeah, I get that. I right? felt so grown up listening to REM as a huh? kid, you do, which is amazing because I listen to it now and I'm just like, yeah, this is just really well crafted because you're a grown up now. <laughs> mainstream. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's but, I'm, but I there is grown. a depth to it that yes, it isn't on commercial radio rock like. But it's, Anywhere else. it's accessible enough to be. Yeah, exactly. That's where I heard it. Yeah. But it, you're right. It's not It's not having the same conversations as everyone else at that party. No. It's yeah. It's away in the corner, you know, having that quiet moment. Someone started some small talk with them being like, oh, you know, a pretty great night. And Michael's just looked you straight in the eye and been like... You know what? <laughs> Would you straight in the eye and just been like, your father disappointed you recently, didn't he? Tell me about that. You know, you, yeah. you know, like, oh my God. <laughs> Come over into the corner with me. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have a chat. And I think in particular, I don't know what everyone else gets from this song, but it, I get that it's operating on that idea of front. And particularly, you know, we, we, people talk about in songs all the time, yeah. this idea of like you're, you're putting something on, you know, particularly, you know, in grunge or whatever. And the, all the songs that commented on grunge are saying like, oh, you're affecting how you're behaving, you're affecting your experience, you're performing, you know, for other people. And I think this is just kind of taking that idea, but extending it out into the everyday about the masks that we wear, hmm. about how we want to be seen, about how we don't want to express vulnerability. You know, no one can see you cry. No one can see you try. Yeah. I think that's very much what's... Uh, I don't know whether you guys get something different when you listen to the song. Well, well it's named after... My understanding is named after the film that's right. of the same name from 1959, which is about an aspiring actress in Hollywood kind of yeah. falling victim to the to the the fronts and the lies and, and all the kind of the falsities that, that live yeah. there. Mm. Well, that's a thing that also comes up on another single from this record called All The Way To Reno, um, which uh, actually had a music video directed by young Michael Moore. Huh. Oh, true okay. story. Well, now that we've, we've circled back around, <laughs> tell, tell us about these glorious 12 seconds. So... How to describe this to someone who hasn't seen it? So should basic- they just see it? I mean, yeah. I mean, they yeah. absolutely should. I'm in a position to say that. Yes, <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen it. It's shot like it's a diorama. There's yeah. a lot of things going on. Yeah, so they have like, like a dozen people doing different things around. It's like a garden slash pool setting, mm. and there's a bunch of people moving at the same time, and then. 
it will zoom in on a particular person and like it'll Do, almost be like a boomer like Instagram boomerang style where it'll just like go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It is boomerang style. That's yeah. a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. invented boomerang. Basically, mm, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I know a certain group of indigenous people that would not be happy to hear you say that, Adam. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, Andrew. <laughs> just think it's interesting as well. <laughs> In which particular group? Because <laughs> I believe most First Nations people actually have invented boomerangs across the world, actually. So, you know. Oh, I was going to say out. the Aboriginal Indigenous Australians. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're one. They're, it's, it's many different many. groups. Yep. They are, yes. But are you saying there's not a sense of collectiveness between the different Indigenous peoples of Australia, Nathan? Hmm. <laughs> Ooh. Globally as well, they found they found boomerangs in ancient Egypt and shit. Did they really? They did. There's bo- bo- most First Nations, uh, like globally. Huh? That's very interesting. Have had have had boomerangs. Wow! Like this, like the returning style boomerang, or like the, no, um, no, because like but that's hunting only, style boomerang. Oh, Andrew, you think that's the only style of boomerang? Fucking no, hell, man! I, I st- the fact that I requested clarification on the style should let you know that I distinctly you, you do, do not think there's only one style, style right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, then, then no, Andrew, not that style. Okay, what well, like hunting style? Hunting style, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yep. They're hard to throw, man. Are they? <laughs> have you tried? No, have you? Yeah, yeah. Garth Jennings directed this video, uh, who is otherwise best known for directing the uh, film version of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Michael Stipe talked about how they shot this video. It took 20 seconds to shoot. What you're watching is a loop that goes forward for 20 seconds, backwards for 20 seconds, forwards for 20 seconds, etc. One camera, static, and then using a technique called pan and scan. It's a technical thing that is used where they go from a widescreen format and reformat to fit your television or DVD, moving in on certain parts of the picture. Terrible shit. Yeah. Pan and scan. Oh, like, on a movie. Oh, oh yeah. Well, yeah. that was the thing when DVDs first came out. It was like when like they were trying to put like 60s records on, on CD, mm. on, like, on compact discs for the first time in like the 80s. And like it was so bad when they were trying to move this mono shit over to stereo. And you'd have like, you know, the drums and vocals in one ear and just the guitar and bass, like hard Awful. right, hard left. Adapting... Like movies that had previously been in one format to this new fandangled DVD thing. Yeah. A lot of that shit. Like the early, late 90s, early 2000s DVDs were fucking trash. In this in this instance, it works really well because yeah, yeah, you get these like little moments because everyone has been instructed to do a different thing in the video. And so, you know, one person will be like miming along to a certain part of the... Of the song uh, Another person will be Like miming along To a different part of the song And like It all happened At the same time So they had to make sure That everything Was on track At the exact same time It's really really cool uh, As a way to Kind of Send out An era You know And just like To be their last mm. Big Like hit single Like I think that's That's definitely something To be remembered for mm. You know yo, Speaking of Sending out an era For us personally We first talked about R.E.M. In season one That's wow. right mm. Just a few weeks ago yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man on the Moon yep. In number 93 That was it And Everybody Hurts In number 11 mm. uh, Then we moved on to uh, What's the Frequency Kenneth Great song. Great one 1994 Excellent one And the then uh, in 1996, we talked about Ebo the Letter with Patty Ooh, Smith. Another killer. Maybe even a better one. Great song. Uh, and uh, the second last time we talked about them uh, was one of my personal favorite discussions we've ever had on this podcast was uh, 
there was it was actually March last year that we had this uh, conversation. It was about the Great Beyond mm. Love that from song. from the Man on the Moon soundtrack. Mm. Go yeah. back and check out the episode. Go, go back and check out all of those episodes. It's a great podcast. It's a great <laughs> podcast. Well, season one, uh, I don't know. Oh, it's still good. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's like Parks and Rec. You just like <laughs> <laughs> it is like Parks and Rec. It is weird, yeah because I was really ditzy in the first season, and then they re- like redid my character a bit. And Mark so, Brandanowitz was there, yeah. and like, and then we cut him. Cut him. <laughs> season one, we got we got Rob. There was Lowe. no need for him anymore. Mm. Yeah, you got a better straight man. Is the thing you got? You got Adam Scott, and he yeah. just he just does the straight look mm-hmm. to camera thing. The Sup- gym look. Superbly. The gym look. Yeah. The gym. A brief selection of what is a you know thirty year career, uh, like just yeah. unbelievable stuff. Like yeah, you're going to say it's not nearly enough REM. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if we can have sixteen Muse tracks, yeah. we can yeah. have a couple more REM. We haven't even had. We've, we've but had we're going we've to. That's <laughs> even worse. As this is the last time we're speaking about REM. David, I know they are perhaps your all-time favourite band. Yes, indeed. Do you have a favourite record for the listeners to hunt out? You know what? Usually um, people will elect stuff like Out of Time and... Oh, Out of Time's a great best of, yeah. I mean for you no, personally. No, 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 that's In Time. In Time, out, right. out of Time was a record they put out in the late 80s that had Losing My Religion on it. Right. Oh, Andrew, you idiot. <laughs> I am an, yes. <laughs> you, two, you two better stop your beefing. I'm going to turn this car around. I swear to God. No, no, no. It's R.E.M. It just makes people aggressive. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Incendiary band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no. I'm just sick of his street team rubbing it in my face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they are the rat time. bastards. I'm, I'm sick of seeing that. those stickers. Yeah, put some stickers of Adam around. Now we're talking. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> some really handsome stickers of me <laughs> around on things. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, boys, break break it up, break it up. Sorry, Dad, sorry. Now, as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. Sorry, sorry. Thank you. Sorry. If there is one that I would suggest to seek out uh, for people that, you know, would know the hits, quote unquote, then I would recommend Up, their first album without Bill Barry, which came out in 1998, uh, which is home to some of my all-time favorite REM songs, namely Day Sleeper, At My Most Beautiful, and Walk Unafraid. Uh, It's a record of uh, introspection and grief and love and loss. And just, yeah, there's a lot on this record that I continually find myself coming back to. So, yeah. Seek out up. Obviously, if you know the hits, like if you know all the stuff off in time and you know uh, like the big albums, then if you want to go intermediate REM, then I'd say dig a little deeper and check out up. At number 78, this is The Cruel Sea with a simple goodbye. Stay. You won't even have to say bye bye. The 
Cool C making their return to the Triple J Hottest 100, coming in at number 78 in the 2001 countdown with a simple goodbye. That is from their album, Where There's Smoke, which ended up being their final studio album. This is also a band that we first talked about all the way back in season one, talking about Black Stick. And of course, their signature song, The Honeymoon Is Over. They've come back up a a few times since then, but uh, this is kind of winding down towards the end of their career before uh, Tex would go on to have a million different other projects and reunions, <laughs> etc. throughout the 2000s and into the 2010s. Uh, they would release a uh, B-Sides and Rarities compilation after this, which was their final official release called We Don't Work, We Play Music. In terms of start-to-finish albums, this was the last one. Had you heard this song before, Nathan? I don't think so. Right. What did you What did you make of it? I mean, it's a far cry from... You know, the early Cool C that we were talking about. Like, I know things change, especially over eight years, but um, this is a very different band. Well, it sounds like a different band. And look, like, this is a nice song. Like, you know, it's a very sort of cruisy, groovy breakup song. I really like those stabs of guitar over the really, like, kind of gentle piano and bass. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it sounds nice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as the conceit for the song, like, you're already on your way out. Why don't I make this easy and just call it like that? That's that's solid enough. Kind of feels like maybe the it's band is saying that too. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, oh, okay. I think there's something. It's there. very, it's very Tex anyway. It's right? very, it's very, very Tex. It's so Tex. It's a bit. If this wasn't the Cruel C, would I give this song another look? And mm. I don't think I necessarily would. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because there's a lot of character that I can't account for directly in the song, and I think knowing that it's Tex and knowing. Yeah. The character of Tex Perkins kind of carries that a lot as well. I think it's so funny how quickly it goes from the first first to the first chorus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it gets it's like it's like half of the the verses for, that they have in the rest of the song. It just goes straight in. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. The falsetto and and that makes it kind of really playful. If this song took itself any more seriously, it'd be bad. Yeah, no, no. That's I already don't think it's great. <laughs> yeah. It's a little more charming for how much it's... It's like you're sitting at the pub and a random person, a random drunk person comes and talks to you and it turns out that they're actually kind of cool. Mm. That's what this song... But it's still yeah. a hassle. But, but it's still but, like... But, but uh, is this because you already here. you already recognise that person that they are someone cool? Because, like, yeah, I think... No, I, I, it's, they I think you take yeah. the nameplates mm. off this song and there's an element of swagger that the song has. For sure. Just because you know it's text and the yeah. cruel set. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. maybe... If, if you didn't... Like, it's not bad. Mm. Like I said, yeah. I think the instrumentation I, is really nice, but... It's one of those songs where the verses are only existing to be a different thing from the chorus and make you wait for the chorus. Yeah. 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 You know the I mean? chorus is kind of fun and sing-along-y, but, like, it's still... Like, the verses sound way too, like, almost like pop singer-songwriter from what I want from the Cruel Sea. It's a bit too dad jam. <laughs> I mean, they were very much dads by this point. Yeah. No, no, and there's nothing wrong with being a dad. You know, we need more, we need more good dads. But shout um, out Nathan. Yeah, mm. Nathan, how's um? He's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> still. Yeah, he's yep. doing really well at what? school. <laughs> yeah, he's finally yeah. in school now. He is. Yeah. A- wow, shit. Yeah, wow. I know. The sooner they start talking, the sooner they start talking back. Am I well, right? That's you know, true. No, we have a very good relationship. So. Oh, I'm very yeah, happy to hear that. I mean, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd imagine so. I'd imagine you'd be a great dad. Thank you. Likewise. Oh, that, well, <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> I got a lot. You of don't st- think I think you would be a good dad? Because <laughs> let me tell you, I think you would be a good dad. Well, I can't disagree with that. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely can't. Yeah. 
may I say though, I I will have to respectfully disagree with you guys about this song because we've kind of been a bit ambivalent. So what part? <laughs> I think he fucks with it more or less. <laughs> yeah, it could go either way. I wonder which it is, David. <gasps> Actually, yeah, I quite like this song. Okay. Um. <laughs> Guys, calm down, please. <laughs> this is a spirited discussion. It's only a podcast. <laughs> it's only a podcast. <laughs> Good God. But you'd be familiar with this already, yeah? I imagine Intimately. you've heard where there's smoke. Are you good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. It's fine. Are you sure? Yeah. Just happy to be out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> to timestamp this a little bit, uh, a week from now will be 19 years since my first ever show, mm. which, as some train spotters in the room will remember, mm. was headlined by the Cruel Sea, mm. uh, who were touring this very album Uh, and so this was one of the songs that they played that night and yeah I will always have that ingrained in my memory specifically when you have a record as a kid it does a lot of lifting baby you spend so much time with it because a, you only have X amount of records, and B, you're like, I paid twenty nine ninety five yeah. for this. Yeah. I am going to exhaust this thing until it has oh. scratches on it, and I I can't listen to it anymore. Don't ask me to uh, objectively talk about Big Willie style by Will Smith. Exactly. Don't ask me to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will fall so very, very short of <laughs> that mark. Yeah, for ha-ha. sure. <laughs> 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 Woo. So, yeah, this is my Big Willie style, in a way. I am also, I guess, more acutely aware, having, you know, spent so much time with the Cruel Sea discography over the years, about the multiplicities at play. Because, like, a lot of people will know the big, snarling blues guitar of The Honeymoon Is Over and Better Get a Lawyer, obviously. You know, they'll know, like, the harder edge, rougher, like, much textier, Mm. like, side of things. But it's also worth remembering that there was a period where Tex wasn't actually in the band. Of course, he started as an instrumental band. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was just the four of them originally. Uh, and they got their start on, you know, uh, surf rock and funk rock and, you know, like a lot more instrumental-based sort of mm. stuff. Mm. And so when I hear the song, I think of more like a late-night R&B almost neo-soul kind of vibe, you know, like uh, even in the effects on the on the keyboards, it's almost a dubby kind of mm. vibe, you mm. know. I'm more aware of that being part of their full albums and seeing them go from doing more groove-oriented stuff to more pub rock stuff to doing more like bluesy stuff to doing more acoustic stuff. Even my first exposure to The Cruel Sea wasn't The Honeymoon Is Over. It was Taken All Day, which is also similarly like groove-oriented and like much more of an emphasis on the keys rather than the guitar and that sort of stuff. So... Yeah, I, I guess I've always seen like a bigger picture thing when it comes to the Cruel Sea, and I think that's exemplary on a track like this. Mm. The next Cruel Sea song we talk about is a different matter entirely. That's, oh, cool. That gets fucking crazy. I will say that you, um, coming at it from an instrumental point of view, it, it, it does cast it in somewhat of a different light for me hearing that. And um, mm. even though I don't, if this was an instrumental song, I don't think I'd like it at all, because I, I don't think I'm digging the sounds that they're playing with. But I don't know, just contextualize it differently what about you street team yeah there are things to enjoy here i'm not saying it's an absolutely like song that 
but I, I do think that, like with text, I I want, like I want the snarl, or either, yeah. or I want it more stripped back, like his his album and then later his work with the Dark Horses. This just falls in a middle ground that I don't really gel with. Like it's it, this again, it's not a terrible song. There are things to enjoy in the choruses, sing alongable, but yeah, yeah, overall not entirely for me. Yeah, okay. fair, sure. Well, here's to dads. Yeah, dads you around know? the world. Yeah. Mm. My dad took me to see the cruel sea. Yeah, so. well, the yeah tops. The Shout circle out. is complete. Good indeed. Dad, good dadding. Damn good right. Dadding. Good dadding. Good on us also for getting through a conversation that involves the word dad so much and never saying daddy. Mm. <laughs> good on us. Apart <laughs> from just us, then. Apart from just then. Yeah. Which I only blank, did to so, prove yeah. a point. Yeah. Mm. Don't let that in. No, <laughs> would never. And number seventy-seven. This is big heavy stuff. Oh, it's big heavy stuff. <laughs> Lift with your knees. <laughs> Don't lift with your back. Oh, HS. This song's called Hibernate. No more bad guy in this picture. He just made his great escape. And he took all night to write this letter. Of epic size, you could baptize she and send her to the good old USA. But I know something that she makes better than mistakes. It's of epic size If you hibernate All through the winter Then you won't have to wait Until December Big heavy stuff Making their debut in the Triple J Hottest 100 Uh, That is the song Hibernate Adam, yes. we've talked a little bit about your relationship with Australian music over yeah. the years yeah. and specifically your endeavour to, I guess, kind of engage with it a bit more. Oh, yeah. Looking at albums that you'd missed and mm. like trying to connect with Aussie rock music in particular, you know, like where you felt like you didn't have a particular affinity for it and you've kind of spoken on that over the years. Mm. Um, we're coming at, at this, you know, this is a relatively unknown band. This is their one and only time in the countdown. What was your experience like? Uh, disc- well, I'm assuming this was your first time hearing it. Well, I think like in general, my relationship to Australian rock music, actually now that I'm just thinking about it, because yeah. I was I was talking about how like I never really had an affinity for, for that whole pub rock scene or whatever. Yeah. And I think as I've gotten older, one of the things that I think happens almost universally is the breakdown of tribalism. Mm. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. And so I'm not nearly as people like me aren't like people like that anymore. I, I definitely, the, in just generally the way I see the world, I'm very much like, oh, it's just all people like us, really, pretty much. And so I have since evaluated stuff like Cold Chisel very, very positively. Yeah. I've Every time I, I seem to hear a Cold Chisel song, I am always walking away going like, Cold Chisel are fucking good. They're really <laughs> fucking Jimmy good. Jimmy Barnes is a really fucking good singer. Yes. And some of those lyrics were actually like, stunningly beautiful yeah so i think just naturally through the process of of getting a little bit older that 
has kind of worked its way through. No, I hadn't actually heard the band Big Heavy Stuff, but I'd heard of them yeah. on this podcast once because they were mentioned in my chat with Jebediah's own Kevin Mitchell. Oh, of yes. Course. He mentioned briefly Big Heavy Stuff and reading the Wikipedia entry for Big Heavy Stuff, I realised why. Bit of nepotism, Kevin, is what it was. Um, they were actually signed to the roster of Redline Records, which Jebediah co-founded. Yeah, that's ah, right. right. And, so uh, he, and he was plugging. He was plugging his label's band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. From fucking 20 years that's ago. Oh, my God. That's right, Kevin. <laughs> the Never- gall. Ah, the nerve of this man. Never, the audacity. Never misses an opportunity. Yeah. You know? Shrewd always, business. Always on the cell. That's right. Yeah. And, and it was, from what I believe, it was actually Jebediah that found these guys and was like, hey, pretty good stuff. This is like by no means anyone in the band's first band. Everyone was involved in like projects previously and they would also go on to do further projects. But this comes off uh, their biggest album, The Size of the Ocean. I think it's worth noting that Big Heavy Staff, one of their big claims to fame back in the day, um, aside from being getting the personal thumbs up from Chebediah, mm. is um, they were the main support for a little band called Radiohead during the uh-huh. OK Computer Tour. Wow. That's insane. Huh. Yeah. So, that's cool. That would, that would have brought them some, to some new listeners. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just I, a bit. I imagine so. I really, really like this. I thought this was like genuinely beautiful. When it first started, and maybe even in the first listen, I, I thought I knew what this is going to be. I know where this is going. Yeah. But there were just a few elements that even a cleverly enough disguise that I don't even exactly know what they were to be able to name them that kind of lifted me out of that, that lifted me out of checking out of my brain entirely and going like, I know what this kind of song is. And the particular lift that it has coming into the chorus, and that chorus is just beautiful in itself, it just it just really feels like... You know when there's like a, the sun is shining directly behind a cloud that's breaking up and there's just these big slants of, mm. of light coming through? It just sounds like that to me. And I particularly really, really love what it's talking about as well, this idea of like retreating from the world, hibernating, taking care of yourself and then coming back so you're not completely... <laughs> in December. In December. Are they talking to Santa or... <laughs> I mean, or one of the elves. <laughs> one of the elves, yeah. No, because they have to work during the year. Yeah, yeah surely. The, uh, maybe Mrs. Claus. Housewife is a job. <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't say that, but Nathan rolled his eyes derisively. <laughs> yeah, I, I just love what it's playing with, both in terms of like the ideas behind it, the contest behind it, but also in terms of the sound. I think the vocals are just like... everything. I, I've talked before about how great it is to hear a band... And think, ah, oh, this could be my mate's band. Yeah. But also it rules. Mm. It 100% gives me those vibes. <laughs> Here it is. It's my mate's band. If my mate's band was any good, which it's not. Oh, yeah, baby. I could definitely see myself set, standing out in the beer garden for most of your set <laughs> and then lying and saying it was a good show 25 minutes after you played. I'm uh, not as on board as you are, Adam. But I, Again, this is also new to me. Not as heavy as I thought it was going to be from the name. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's just very nice balladry, right? There's a, a really warm hugginess to it's the song. Intimate. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. It's, it's intimate. Yeah, yeah, intimate. It is deeply intimate. You know, yeah. I didn't love it as much as you did, but, but it was a really pleasant surprise. And like when I, I'm with you as well that um, 
when it started, like I was kind of like, oh, I know this song, yeah. And then as it went on, I'm like, oh, actually, you know what? There's more here than yeah, more to it. The first five seconds, my knee jerk reaction implied, like, yeah. I also, I also am always here for an acoustic song that revolves around as few chords as it possibly can, mm. and which it definitely does in the verses, and I really love that. And just also like myths of epic size. As an end to mm. each one of those those points, mm. so what about that? Mm. So that's it's gonna be on some cellar door shit. But mm. also, like you know, going back to the concept as well, you know, like we spend so much time hustling, striving, constructing ourselves, mythologizing ourselves, wanting to be mythologized by others, and that I think the song is really saying is what we need to rest from. We need to stop self conceptualizing in a way. We need to stop trying to be. Or through our doing and instead just you just, know sometimes just, just go nap in a cave sometimes, sometimes. God, yeah fucking, man you know. does sound great mm. <laughs> napping in a cave I think yeah. I think I was like I'm, I was pretty tired when I heard this song as well <laughs> you know, this, I was like oh I'd love a nap the song oh, is like mate. have a nap the musical <laughs> and I'm, I'm on board with that yeah. so much you see like all the pictures in the national parks of like bears when they're getting ready to hibernate and they're just like so big and they're like yeah. gonna oh, have such boy. a nap and you're like yeah, yeah bears yeah. that looks cool yeah. it does look cool looks really fun fuck <laughs> It's just like a bunch of 30-year-old men talking about how good it is to have uh, a nap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you reckon the bears are comfortable in a cave? I reckon yeah, so. Man. Yeah? They'd home. have to be or they'd move. <laughs> yeah, bears aren't stupid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I just feel like, like if I, when I lie in a cave, which I do from time to time. Yes. You do. Of I don't course. find it that comfortable. You're not a bear. You, yeah, you you don't have huge layers of fat and yeah, fur. Yeah, you're not covered in <laughs> as much hair. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm glad they are. Or yeah. I, 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 I need to tell myself they are. <laughs> One must imagine the bears come from. <laughs> Definitely. In their cave. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you'd be a sun bear. Yeah, man, sun bear. Nice, yeah. I feel like yeah, you'd be a sun bear. A good bear. Oh, and when bears do, do a little bit of a scratch on a tree. Oh, the, the, oh man. The back scratch on a tree. Oh, my God. That looks so satisfying. That'd yeah. be a good one. I'd put up with a lot of the bad parts of being a bear just to get to do that. The bad parts of being a bear. Getting hunted. Getting hunted, maybe, <laughs> yeah. Okay, getting hunted, counterpoint, catching salmon with your mouth. Yeah. Also, counterpoint, murking mm. a hunter. Murking. Get, mm, fucking up like uh, some dipshit oh, with like yeah. a old goddamn like safari hat. <laughs> yeah, classic hunter. We're, we're all thinking of like it's the the it's Jumanji just a guy. Jungle Book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Big moustache. Yeah, giant, yeah. giant moustache. Yeah. The one thing that I felt like this was missing was a blowout. I thought dynamically that would disturb the nap. <sighs> They're waking up. It's got to be. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a okay. trajectory, man. Mm, so, okay. like, I'm just like, this needed drums. I was, I was waiting for drums mm. to kick in the whole time that this song was playing. I am with you there. And then when it finished, I'm just like, oh, they never came. Mm. I felt it was kind of building up to a payoff moment of like just having all of them in on that final moment. It felt really strange to me that they did this whole song without drums. Yeah, I was waiting as for As an aesthetic well. choice, I just thought that was kind of curious. Sure, like leave it out for the intro and the first verse and stuff like that, but I would have like brought it in maybe some like closed hats on the on the start and or like in the second verse. And then after that second chorus, like really driving it home. Like I feel that that really could have added uh, a bit more 
dynamics to the song uh, and given it a bit more of a of a build. Like I, I I understood like I guess what they were going for ostensibly, just kind of having it ride along on that certain wavelength. But yeah, to me, I was I was constantly just thinking, all right, so they're gonna come in here like a. For me, I got enough dynamics just in the change between. The verse and, chorus. and chorus. That lift. Mm. Mm. That lift is just, it just took it to a completely different place. And it, you know, it didn't need to do that energetically. It did, well, I mean, by an in- injection of energy. It just mm. did it by shifting it. Mm. So, I mean, I still, I still think it was, I think drums would have made it something that I didn't want it to be. I think it's, it, it is special to me partially because it's not something that I, I thought about when I was listening to it but you, now you've said like what about drums I go like no I think it's special because it doesn't have drums to me okay you know um, I think I would know what the song was a lot more if it had drums and I like that the fact that I, I had to learn what this song was a little bit I think it also makes a lot of sense in a countdown where something for Kate and Augie March both did very well that we are seeing this yeah. song in as well it yeah. does make me wonder like what was this band missing that they weren't like, you know. What else do you want to do if you've supported Radiohead on OK Computer? Have Radiohead support you on your next <laughs> yeah, tour. Yeah. But yeah. but like <laughs> this this feels like you know a, a band definitely like operating the same sphere as Augie March, but uh, definitely didn't make it. So I, no, I, I wonder mean, if Augie it was... March barely, you know, like they they had their moment. But I guess yeah. Maybe it's just tough being an indie an indie Australian yeah. band. I reckon a, f- a few years down the track, you would have that big drums and that real brightness of that like mid-2000s indie kind yes, of like... you would. I can yeah. definitely see this That's song point. fitting in that landscape as yeah. well. This is this is more leftover 90s indie yeah. style. Or, or the proto that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. Mm. It's all yeah, it was Australian beautiful indie. Beautiful song. You love to hear it. You love it. Yeah. Here's to Bears. Here's to Bears. <laughs> Talked about... Daddies and bears, mm. Mm. and we and didn't get horny. barely barely mentioned it. Great, yeah, yeah. yeah. At number seventy six, it's the return of the avalanches. This is radio. Making their return to the Triple J Hottest 100, coming in at number 76 in 2001 Countdown. That's the song Radio. It's from the album Since I Left You, which we talked about in the top 10 of the 2000 Hottest 100 when we talked about Frontier Psychiatrist. There are two singles that they released in 2001 in a hangover from this, still keeping the momentum going. This was one of them, and it stands as one of the big singular moments from the record, apart from 
trademark, the big two. <laughs> so let's let's deviate from the big two for a second. Nathan, mm. you are a big Avalanches fan. I am. And this is one of your all-time favourite records. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about, I guess... Firstly, how radio fits into the context of Since I Left You, and then your personal relationship with the song. Radio is really special, and it's great that this is like the second Avalanches track we talk about, because this is, I think, us seeing how good Avalanches are at being dance floor DJs. Oh, yeah. Which, Big time. Which Frontier Psychiatrist doesn't do and isn't interested in doing. Mm. But this one is like, we're going to give you a bouncy house beat and... And move between all these different like fun little dynamics and shifts, and it's just going to be a great groove the whole time. I think the beat is kind of not that different to a lot of what Daft Punk are doing around the same time. I think there's a yeah. real kind of Eurohouse French connection touch. here, French touch, the yeah. Australian touch, yeah, the well, Aussie touch, the Aussie touch. The touch. Fucking just fucking touch it. Hey. Fucking yeah. go up, yeah. give it a little bit, right? You know. But it's great. Like th- th- that groove is so beautiful. The way the samples all come in, it's still got that real like playful, like plunderphonics element that they do so well. Yeah. But it's it's all grounded in this this great dancey groove, and then it's still got that kind of. Since I left you, has such a like sunset summer party vibe. Yeah. There's something that's just yeah. warm and like a bit chill. Like it's not like the crazy part of the f- the the party. It's just like. Sun's going down, you're on a deck with a bunch of friends, and it's just like a nice time. But it's busy. It is busy. It's a, a poppin' party. There yeah. are lots of people there. Lots of stuff. Yeah, there going are drinks on. being clinked around, like yeah. sheeps being passed. Like it's a fun time. And but. in particular for this song, I think you're led there by someone very enthusiastically. And they've put a drink in your hand and they are rapidly walking you around this room, <laughs> yeah. introducing you to heaps of yeah, really cool yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And good. every time you're going past each of these people you're being introduced to, it's kind of like a new 20-second looping boomerang <laughs> of, of that section of the party. Yeah, yeah And it's yeah, like, yeah. you kind of just need to relax into it because you could very easily be overwhelmed. Yeah. But you're not being overwhelmed. But you're not. Yeah. But if you try and think about anything yeah. too much... You may. Or you get hung up on any single element, you kind of ruin it. And you, <laughs> and you can kind of... Like, it kind of becomes a little bit... I don't know, for me, it kind of becomes a little bit anxiety-inducing. Mm. It's like I, I try and focus on, on figuring it out too much instead of taking it as a total experience. And it, all of a sudden, it seems really, really busy. But if I don't, it's just a groove, man. Yeah, I think that's what the beat is so good at doing because for that's sure. the consistent element. Yeah. And I think because this is track three on the album as well, this is like kind of a good chance to be like, all right, cool, we've had a couple of tracks, you can kind of see what we're doing. Now let's just groove for like a while. Yeah. We're just going to have some fun here. Mm, it's sure. so it's so difficult to me to break up any individual song from Since I Left You apart from the title track and Frontier. Yeah, the big two. The, the big yeah. two, baby. They're the most song. You're so right, Nathan. The dance floor DJ stuff that they were doing, like, because like before they dropped Since I Left You, they were just DJs, or, they, or indeed they were hip hop producers as well. So taking those elements that they did that and recrafting it into something that is within the flow of a successful mainstream record is fucking fascinating because like, like obviously this is, this is not like super high on the countdown but it's here yeah. and the idea of them releasing singles apart from the big two is a, 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 a would be a challenging prospect right yeah um, totally and that they picked a great one with this um, because there is still like 
when uh, just in the room here, when David introduced the song, like we all just started like like bopping along, thinking yeah, of it, the it was radio, playing radio, in our radio. It lives radio. in our head rent free, yeah. folks. Yeah. And then also like to, towards the latter half of the song, that um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's another language or it's a chopped and screwed sample, but the um, that like. Desancy Jones understand? understand. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, it's, it's like, an old pop understand. song. I think it's been screwed a bit. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it's delightful, and it's like again, it's like, and the sending those. It's Laurie Anderson. No way! Yes. Oh. Yeah, as in Lou Reed's misses. Yeah. yeah, we talked about her song "Oh Superman", oh, Superman. Yeah. in that yeah. um, Christmas app a yeah. million years ago. Um, <laughs> it's from an interview where she's talking, uh, like it. it the line is literally sending those signals, those digital signals. I think she's talking about a violin or something. Yeah, wow. Um, but she's talking about like an interview where she's talking oh, about music production. Love it. And they were I just like, it. yep, that's we'll, a good, we'll that's a that. good hook. Yeah. They, have, they have so many cool... You could spend days on their Who sample oh, yeah. page. It's so cool. The, those three vocal parts, the radio, the Laurie Anderson bit and the pop song, really help give the song more of... Not, not quite the structure of a traditional song, obviously, mm. but like... Ground it more in the idea of you could hear this track on the radio and not be like completely lost, mm. like compared to some of the other tracks on the like Hearts Beating Three Four Time or whatever like that that are real like obviously just part of the album experience. Like the fact that this the fact that this track works as a single itself is remarkable. They're, they're, like they're they're the fucking best. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's just such a exciting vibe. It's a real reflection on both where they'd come from and where they were as a, a production unit. Because they were, yeah, bringing in all of these elements to create something that is, in anyone else's hands, it would be absolutely chaotic. It would fall apart within the first 20 seconds. Mm. But because they have such a good sense of timing, they they can hear a song and they can hear a, a rhythm. They can hear a ha da 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 ha da 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 and they know when to bring that in over boom, boom, ba, yeah. boom, boom, ba, you know. And then having a bass kind of groove underneath all of that. Even like the staccato, like triplet thing of the da, 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 da. Da, da, da. You know, that doesn't feel natural necessarily over a, uh, like a 4-4 boom bap kind of funk groove. But they managed to find a way to kind of zigzag it in there that it somehow tessellates with everything else. Mm. And I love that they operate on that level. Mm. Uh, in the time since we uh, last talked about the Avalanches, I got to talk to the Avalanches. Uh, so Tony de Blasi was a guest on uh, my podcast, All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. The, uh, Available on all good podcast indeed. locations now. Uh, but he was talking about how fucking crazy their live shows used to be back in the late 90s and early 2000s. One of the guys fucking broke both of his legs while on tour. Like, that's how that's how fucking crazy they were Good going. Good shit. Yeah, you can listen to the podcast for the full story, but basically, they were bringing such a ferocity and such a like a almost almost a punk energy to these you know big party hip hop shows you know mm. that were taking them everywhere from Los Angeles to New York to over in Dublin he said like one of the best shows they ever played on the since they left you tour was in Dublin of all places so mm. go figure but yeah i can sense a bit of that kind of chaotic energy in a song like this i can imagine this absolutely going off live for all the production uh, bits and bobs and, you know, the emphasis on turntables and being DJs and all that sort of stuff. There is a part of the Avalanches that has always survived as a quote-unquote band. 
And you can find it in moments like this where it has the calculated nature of the samples, but also that kind of party energy that mm. would ensure that would go off as a band is playing it. When you were saying about um, the fact that they they know rhythm and flow so well, like and like that, yeah. that staccato beat that like shouldn't work with a 4-4, but it works fantastically. It reminds me, just for the listeners, um, there's obviously, there's, there's, the Avalanche only have the three proper records, um, but there is so, so, so much out there. If you're into like DJ stuff like that, that really showcases off their sense of melody and rhythm. Um, that, they, that there are so many mixes that, that that are professionally recorded from the Avalanches, so they sound just like mashup albums. Um, uh, if you, if you Google the Avalanches mixes uh, Reddit, someone the, the the Avalanches subreddit, they have a list of dozens and dozens of them. Um, a personal favorite of mine is 2005's mix called "Some People." Um, it's terrific. Some people. Yeah. Some people. So that's just available on YouTube as well as a 50-minute mix. Another one that I can recommend wholly is um, the one that was circulated amongst um, music journalists, I think, um, right before Since I Left You came out called Gimmicks, G-I-M-I-X. Mm. That, that is um, what Since I Left You would be if they didn't have to worry about copyright restrictions. Huh. So many of the since I left you songs are on there, but it's it's yeah. qu- quite a bit longer because and there's just like uncleared Bob Dylan and Madonna samples and stuff that they couldn't yeah. get the rights to, which yeah. is so funny considering Madonna was, was like trying to get avalanches onto the label yeah. on Maverick. Yeah, such but a yeah, wild like, trip. Yeah, terrific song, terrific band. One of those fucking acts that like I am the furthest thing from being a patriotic person as an Australian <laughs> that I could be. But I step one inch closer to patriotism when I hear the avalanches. I'm so proud that they're ours. Yeah, fucking oath. Good shit. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you so much for listening. Girl, we bloody love you. We we appreciate you so bloody much too. We, you know that, right? You bloody you you, you absolutely know that. I'm not telling you. Anything I hope they you do. do. Yeah, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't yeah. already know. You know uh, what? We'd give you a five star if we could. Yeah, goddamn right. We and would. some of you, well, I have because some of you have podcasts, and yes. I've given you five stars. <laughs> Almost <so>. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favorites, our least favorites, and continue that ever continuing story of carry over champ and carry over chump. Nathan, mm. I'll let you go first. Uh, my new champ is Radio, uh, taking nice over one. from uh, Superman Lovers. From mm-hmm. last time, yes, yeah, you traded the uh, Le French touch for the Aussie, the Aussie touch. touch. Aussie tra- touch, traded touches, just I touch have, it. I have, you know, the touch exchange. Mm. <laughs> yeah. um, my least favorite was Bliss, um, but it is not as bad as Good Charlotte. So it isn't, is it? Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> we can all agree. Yeah, that it, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't need to be my chump. Imitation of life is going to be my favorite uh, from this episode, and. Yeah, I reckon I'll give it a new champ as well. Might as well. That checks uh, out. Yeah. Uh, and uh, least favorite, I'm probably going to give to big, heavy stuff. No disrespect, but baby, I need them drums. Here come the drums. Here come the drums. My favorite was big, heavy stuff. Ooh, okay. um, Ooh. Not going to take over from at the drive-in. My least favorite was um, Tex and the Gang. Um, no disrespect to dads. Um, not as 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 much as I disliked, didn't enjoy. Super heist, um, Nathan. It's a big ditto from me. Yeah, including new Champerino, new Champerino with radio. Sorry at the drive-in. It was a great relationship while it lasted. I bear you no ill will. Um, and least favorite also Bliss. And again, it's not 
it's not half the stinker that is good Charlotte. Right, eh? I think we're sorted. I think we are. All right, folks. Well, yeah, we we we, we got to go pick up Nathan's kid from school. So uh, why are we doing that? Uh, well, because we're friends. Busy. Yeah, oh, we're busy. Nathan's right. Are you going somewhere else? Yes, he is. He's going to a rave. Going to go oh. make another one. I think I think Jeff would come to an after school rave. An if after it's, school rave. You know. Yeah, it's t- teach teach your children well, teach them young. Oh, <laughs> good times. On behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. Bye. On behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald. Good night. And on behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher. Ciao. My name is David James Young. Everything is good for you. Do you think it's worth clarifying that you don't actually have a real child? Yeah.